0: Welcome to Capital Radio Podcast. I'm Cornelia.
1: And I'm Oscar. In this podcast, we demystify the world of private equity and venture capital. As a globally active fund placement agency, every day we meet interesting people from all over the world. We want to share their stories with you.
0: Our guests are experienced investors and fund managers that would tell us what it takes to enter the black box of private equity.
1: Today's guest is Peter Ozko. Peter is a former Big Four managing partner and technocrat finance minister of Hungary. He currently manages the European tech venture capital investment firm OXO Holdings, which is based in Budapest and Rotterdam. He's been active in the VC space since 2010 and currently has around 150 million in assets under management.
0: Nice. Um so Peter, you have an interesting background, having worked in uh, audit consultancy as the finance minister of Hungary and currently as a venture capital investor at OXO Holding. So how did you end up in the investment world?
2: You didn't mention one thing that originally I'm a lawyer as, as to my background. So yeah. it's really, there was a lot of change in my career, but I think uh, the career is some is a kind of path to get to know myself and to to understand uh, what are my forties, what are my talents and where i i can really perform the best and uh, after i would say the first part of my career i understood that uh, perhaps my my 40s to learn new things to to adapt as quickly as possible uh, to follow on innovations and to understand uh, the new trends that's where I, i performed always the best i was finance minister during the financial crisis actually which is not the you know the best period to be a finance minister, but uh, that's not by chance that I was invited for that period and i I, I did my job uh, at that time. Also before that when i uh, when I was in the advisory business, I always participated in new product developments, in in new initiatives. So this is why I understood that my character is not to operate a business and, uh, and manage an ongoing uh, kind of uh, uh, enterprise, but rather to, to set up new things and to invest uh, in new things and take risks. This is why after uh, the crisis management exercise that I performed as a finance minister, I decided to to look at the venture capital industry, which was just uh, in an emerging phase in in Hungary and in Central Eastern Europe at that time. And um, first I joined the uh, large financial institution and built up the venture capital business line there. And then after learning the whole industry, I decided to to set up my own, own firm and uh, and do that independently. So basically, I ended up my career here because I thought that's the part of, of, of the activity I'm the best in.
1: Yeah, nice. I mean, so that you established Oxo Holdings. And so perhaps it would be interesting, you know, if you could tell us a little bit more about the investment thesis of OXO.
2: Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I started the firm in 2014, and uh, I started my activity quite typically as an angel investor at that time. But quite quickly, I understood that being a, a separate angel is perhaps not uh, the best way of managing risks. So this is why in 2015, already we established an, an angel fund without uh, joining uh, business people who, who were interested in, uh, in uh, uh, investing in, in startups. So we started with an angel fund uh, which we've closed after five years with a quite uh, attractive returns. And uh, after that, we uh, we decided that we we will work on as a kind of institutional investor and, uh, and invited further investors uh, involved uh, institutions as well. And then we established Oxo Holdings actually in, in the current form in 2020 because it's a, it's a kind of institutional investor listed on the Budapest Stock Exchange. So it's a public company which involves a large number of angel, private, and institutional investors. We've started our activity in Central Eastern Europe. That's where we uh, became successful with our first fund. But then with the current holding, we are already investing outside. We are quite active in the Nordic countries as well. And we opened our first uh, office in the Benelux countries as well. So we are more kind of pan European VC group, uh, focusing on early and growth stage of, of technology investments.
1: Yeah, and um, as we know, you've you've also got this focus on green tech. So, what ma- motivated that for you?
2: Uh, that's, uh, uh, as I explained, uh, my um, the attitude. Uh, I am always uh, keen to follow new trends and understanding uh, and understand what's happening uh, around uh, around us and what uh, what is the the most relevant topic for the markets. It was quite obvious in the recent years that uh, that uh, energy transition. Climate, AgriTech uh, is uh, is more and more important, especially in in, in the European markets. Uh, we have realized that from from a pipeline as well. So, an increasing part of the pipeline companies are coming up with uh, with innovations uh, affecting uh, those industries, and these are really good quality of, of innovations that uh, that we uh, that we experience there. And uh, and as the same with our investors. So it's quite clear that investor or investors, what do we expect? to focus more and more on the the domain as well. So last summer, we decided to, besides the continuing or investment activity for more public holding companies, but we are more focusing on on later stage, also buyouts and secondaries. In terms of early stage and growth investments, we we try to set specific industry focuses on those areas, which are the most uh, interesting and most relevant. And we decided to set up a green tech fund with a pan-European focus, but with, uh, uh, with a more narrow industry focus on, on green technologies.
0: Perfect. And uh, you mentioned that uh, your the funds focuses um Europe, more specifically also CEE. And um, I can imagine that you're also, since from there, you are very comfortable there. But the current geographic tensions might also affect the way that investors look at the regions. So what do you think, what have you seen that significantly changed market landscape especially since the war in uh, ukraine broke out
2: actually i think that the technology industries are more affected with the macro environment rather than war because technology ventures are very mobile so they can change their location very quickly and they can they can move where they but they can perform profil, properly so we didn't experience that specific uh, ventures had the pressure because of the because of the role. in in traditional industries is more of a uh, kind of a challenge what is more a challenge for the technology industry is the interest environment the macro environment high interest rates the risk of the recession because as the technology investments are the, the most risky type of investments where we basically invest in in, in dreams in the future in innovation when there is uh, a much less inflow of funding then they suffer the first. So it's less the war and more the high interest rate environment, which is, which which makes more difficult these days those type of investments. But this is not typical to Central Eastern Europe. This is typical to to the whole European market. Even more, it's typical to US and, and Asia as well. So we have the same type of pressure that others have. But uh, fortunately, we were quite successful in our activities. We made some nice uh, exits last year, so our liquidity level is quite high. So we didn't suffer uh, because of a kind of limited funding. Actually, we were quite well positioned on the market. But as I said, I don't think that the Central Eastern European tech uh, investment uh, industry is uh, is affected directly by by the more than, than, than the European market. It's more the interest environment which is uh, which is a challenge for for that industry country,
1: yeah, and so amidst the you know the uncertainty and as you say also the macro landscape in your setting, what would you consider you know is the most important criteria when assessing a potential investment? What are you really looking at and how are you picking your winners?
2: It depends on what stage we invest in uh, because as I've said, we are kind of multi stage investors, we're active in early stages uh, growth stage, but we do buyouts as well, yeah. Uh, secondaries as well uh, for early stage is always the, the the team is the first and the product idea or the, or the innovation is the second and everything else all financial performance management uh, everything is is later because they can develop that part but the team is very decisive so the, the capacities uh, their understanding of their own knowledge uh, their own experiences the understanding of what where they need to develop that's that's the that's the most important part of an VSS and, and early stage investment, and of course VSS also the the product idea what they have where they want to enter whether there is really a market for that or not. But a good team can also always understand and learn and adapt uh, to to challenges and uh, and uh, and an average or or uh, or even. Versus an average team can can cannot perform with even a, a good product. So early stage, that's the team is the, the, the key criteria. Later, especially secondary buyouts, of course, we we can uh, we can analyze the financial history, the business performance, uh, the market share. Uh, so it's more, tip, more more typical investment where where we can use the, the, the traditional methods of of, of assessing. And these valuation, especially later stage, uh, uh, becomes a a quite key factor, especially because in high interest rate environment, you always assess what is the return potential of of your specific investment, because we have to compete with relatively high fixed interest or fixed income uh, returns. We have to demonstrate that with our investments, with VC and private equity investments, we can still beat the fixed income type of investments. And because of that, valuation becomes a, a quite important uh, factor of all of, of investments, especially at the later stage.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe to dive in there on, on the team aspect, because of course, as you would know, it's, it's, it's much more subjective than once you get into the later stages and you can work with financials. So, for, for you and from your perspective, what would you say really makes up a good team in terms of, you know, you have different backgrounds for team members. Do you prefer? Exactly. Yeah, do, so you...
2: As, do you like as, a... as in the, as, as in the uh, investment industry? You look for diversity and uh, and diversification. That's the that's the same with team. We don't believe in one single hero or one talent. We think that uh, a diverse team, different backgrounds, different experiences, different different level of knowledge is the most important to perform well and and the capacity of cooperation. Yep. Even you can have a, a, a team of, of diverse people with, with very different talents and very high level of knowledge and experiences, but if they cannot properly cooperate, then they will not be able to perform. So different experiences and knowledge, of course, proper set, proper set of, uh, of skills and, uh, and capacity of cooperation. These yep. are the most important factors.
1: So if, if we place that in the context of green tech, what uh, backgrounds are you looking for?
2: Green tech is, is is even more technology heavy, uh, so we always expect a kind of specific uh, tech knowledge in, in the specific sector that we invest in. So we very prefer to have that knowledge in-house. We need to have good developers, good engineers in, 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 in green tech startups, but that's that's normally what we have because especially in, in, in the green tech area, it's even more typical that not business people but but technology people are coming up with uh, with uh, with new innovations but on the other hand that's the that's the other key factor that we expect experiences not only in the in the in the field of of, of the technology development so everybody needs to understand that that uh, doing business is uh, requires general management and and uh, and business experiences and doing a, a successful venture, Will not be purely executed on the basis of a, a, a genius uh, idea and uh, an innovation. Business knowledge is expected, and this is why we prefer teams where there is a mixture of of, 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 uh, of strong tech background, even supported by by a team of engineers, perhaps, but also there is a, a management and business knowledge uh, in the team.
0: Yeah. Um, And you also mentioned that you want to go further with uh, other asset classes and do uh, secondaries, buyouts later. How do you imagine that? Do you have the resources for that in-house? Or what's your plan in terms of your own? We we have a separate
2: team. Our public uh, listed uh, holding company is still an ongoing uh, investment uh, company uh, from which we do deals uh, uh, on on an opportunistic basis. We did uh, acquisitions last year as well. And we plan to do that. So, what are uh, the strategies that uh, for, for early stage and growth stage investments, typical innovative startups investments, we set up specific uh, vehicles, uh, funds with specific industry focuses with dedicated teams. And we have the investment holding, which is anyway the GP of those funds as well. But that holding is a kind of later stage uh, investors uh, on an opportunistic basis basis making buyouts and secondaries, if there is a good, good opportunity at good valuation.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. So I think what might be interesting for our listeners and for us too personally, you know, it's when somebody such as yourself has such experience, it's sometimes nice to hear about those experiences. So if you could maybe touch on, you know, what comes to mind if I ask you, you know, perhaps on, on what was a memorable deal for you and and let's keep that uh, discussion limited to OXO. Something that really stands up.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, our last year's exit was a very, very positive experience, but it was a long story because it, it was an interesting company. It's, it was a, a company working in the domain of e-commerce and, um, and, and media, operating a recommendation engine with a very good uh, algorithm and a very good machine learning background. And they started their business already in 2011, 2012, which was which was quite early on the market. And they they came from Central Eastern Europe, and it was an interesting story for me because when I was, as I mentioned, still working with a financial institution and their venture capital business, we invested into that company already there. Uh, so they received uh, from us their first imbe- investment uh, quite early in 2012, and from that they uh, they could achieve a certain level of uh, of market access. But since they were quite early on the market, uh, they suffered a lot uh, at that early period. And after we established our own uh, VC firm, we started to work them together again. We could make some good conclusion on the on the past experiences. We also acquired, as a secondary deal, some existing uh, investment of the of the pre- previous investors, and uh, and then after 2018 we could we could help them building up the market much more successfully, and then in, finally in 2022 we could we could do a quite a successful exit. We sold the company to a Nasdaq listed uh, uh, large uh, uh, tech group. So from that story, we experienced how difficult. A growth story can be. The timing is almost the most important part of the of the investment decisions and on the uh, of, of the of the startup uh, industry as well. But then, how we can learn from uh, from past experiences and how can, we can turn that back to a to a to a successful investment. And finally, we had a very good return on that exit, uh, even if the first tranches of the investments were were not that
1: successful. And what were the returns there? if you don't mind sir. Our uh,
2: return was between 40 and 50% ARR, Okay. So it was not not that bad.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really that uh the challenge upfront right which makes it quite memorable. I think pushing through those that's that's really what makes you, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that that that's that type of of return potential still shows that even in a high interest environment you can make returns that is that is more more attractive than the than the fixed income uh, return on a bond.
1: Yeah. And another interesting thing you just brought up there was the, the secondary deal that you did to acquire stakes. Just a, you know, a question on secondaries. We see it becoming more and more popular. What has your experience been uh, with the secondary market? And, and how do you see that developing?
2: I think it's, uh, it's developing more and more because there is a, a liquidity pressure on investors as well. Uh, there is a liquidity pressure on funders as well. Uh, so it can happen that, uh, that, uh, that uh, they are more and more open to secondary deals. And as I said, secondary is a good uh, good tool to show return potentials even in, in, the, in that environment. So this is why I mean we started secondary deals, as I mentioned already in 2018. Yeah. so we were also early on that market, but at least we, we learned how to do that and how, what are the motivation of, of each and every players on the market. And, and what we see that it, it becomes even uh, even more uh, interesting. And as we have a certain level of liquidity and we have the tools to increase that uh, level of funding, I think we, we will remain active in that segment as well.
0: And uh, we were talking about challenges. What do you think that was the biggest challenge in the last couple of years? Maybe the COVID times was quite difficult for quite many, but maybe in tech it's, it was actually the opportunity. So how, how would you evaluate that time? Did you have like a really rough time or something that you would consider the biggest challenge?
2: I think COVID time was a, a mixture of challenges and opportunities. And this, that, that was also a period where, where those who could quickly adapt and quickly learn and quickly understand new environment could uh, would win a lot. From a hum, human aspect, it was also, of course, very challenging. So very quick change in the working environment, in the way of cooperating, in the way of communicating, in the way of changing information. But for I mean for the startup and the VC investment uh, industry, it's a kind of expectation that, that, that the adaptation is, uh, is is quicker than than usual. But of course, the funding, uh, the, the access of funding was much, much easier. Uh, monetary policies just uh, just created even more uh, more liquidity on the market. So it it was, uh, it, I mean, in terms of uh, of uh, getting uh, further funding and finding investors, it was a, an easier period. We did our, our own IPO, so we listed a holding company in 2021. Which means it was uh, still during COVID, but still it was it was. I mean, access to institutional investors was uh, was uh, much easier. We didn't meet any investor during or IPO actually. We did all the all the pitches, uh, all all the uh, all the negotiations online in Zoom. So we did an IPO on Zoom actually. Wow! Uh, you, you would never expect that before, but during COVID, it became possible actually.
0: Yeah, norms changed. Uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, so it was quite interesting for us. But I think the challenge uh, for the tech sector is the post-COVID period. Of course, there was a challenge of of, of, uh, of quick adaptation during the COVID. But there is more pressure in the high inflation high inflation uh, uh, yeah. environment, and and, and post-COVID is, is, is much more challenging for the for the technology industry.
0: Um, do you see that um, that well, basically, yeah, a challenge in, in your investment currently, the, this overconfidence of the tech sector during the COVID that now you have to um, fight with. And what is your uh, technique to kind of handle this?
2: I think it's not overconfidence, but because I think the tech sector is full of intelligent people who normally uh, are aware of the fact that this is a short period of time. I, it is, I think the, the, uh, the most important challenge is overvaluation. So during COVID, everybody thought that it's, a, it's an infinite uh, path of, of growth and uh, there is a, always a lot of funding. So many, many, many stocks, many investments were overvaluated. And that's, that's the biggest challenge. How to compromise? How to understand that, of course, there was a short period of time where, where everybody accepted high valuations, but now we need to get back to, uh, to a more realistic path. Fortunately, Central Eastern Europe is not uh, uh, not very active in in, in high valuations. So, in in original region, valuations remain quite decent. So, it was it's 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 not a big change that we need to do there. But we see the markets in in uh, in more Western countries where the valuation went up very uh, very quickly. And then uh, then discussing with investors, with founders, we always see that it's a. Uh, it's much easier to understand the technology change of the world than to understand that, that, that my own business has not that level of value. But it's a more, it's a bit less. The adaptation in that terms is much. It seems to be much slower, but it needs to happen. But because with a significant, significantly less funding and uh, and the, in a significantly slower growth environment, valuations will change. So It's not the confidence, but understanding what what are the expe- uh, uh, accepted valuations is, the, is 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 an important challenge for the sector now.
1: Yeah, I think it seems that you know these discussions on valuation and and what's happening, the challenges, it all ultimately comes back to like you mentioned, you know, the macro environment. Do you see a difference in the ability for the EU, for example, versus the US to combat inflation and their ability to raise rates here? Do you see a difference in how they're tackling the situation?
2: There is certainly a difference because the uh, EU is a partly commonly regulated, but still more uh, a fragmented market, while the US is, 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 is one unique market where, where there is to, to, to regulate and to, to influence the, the macro, uh, macro trends uh, um, centrally. So EU from that aspect is, uh, is uh, much more difficult to drive in, 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 that, uh, in that period and uh, it has much more challenges. I mean, you see very different inflation rates in different uh, EU countries yeah. and of course that's a, the, 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 that's a challenge for, uh, for everybody, how you can combat inflation when you have an inflation of 20% in one member state and 5% in another member state. Yeah. Uh, that's, not, uh, that's not obvious. Uh, still, there is a, an ambition to have a common bond uh, uh, market and issuing uh, EU-level uh, public bonds. But still, the, the most important uh, financing of, of public debts is, uh, is made by member states, not by the EU. So it's, again, very difficult to have a kind of common interest policy and, uh, and, uh, and a common Direction of, uh, of of macro trends. So, of course, yes, the EU has much more challenging uh, environment in that uh, in that segment. But that's what we have. I think uh, that's uh, where we need to find out how to, how to have still good opportunities and uh, and compete with others. And in specific areas, I think uh, the EU can gain even advantage because I think energy industry, energy transition, uh, the the green uh, segment of innovation we have much more pressure, of course. But this pressure gives a kind of motivation for, for innovations and, and, and for funding as well. Uh, so those areas for development became much more critical for the EU. But that that's an opportunity for the EU to to win at least in one segment the innovation. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in, in terms of, for instance, uh, artificial intelligence EU will lead the trends globally. It's more the US and also China. But I hope so. there will be some champions from the EU as well, but in, in terms of the whole industry, we are still uh, following the trends. But in terms of, of, of energy transition, in terms of climate and green technologies and many other aspects, where EU in, is in a much more critical uh, situation than others, there is a chance that the innovations uh, which are coming up in the EU will be the, the transseptors the for the future.
0: Yeah, and... Uh what do you think about the specific geographical sectors? Do you see any difference between the sectors and uh, their geography that you are investing in? How do you look at them? Uh, what sector is best in which area, in your opinion?
2: I think in, uh, th- there are still big differences in terms of various uh, regions of geographics of the, of, of the EU. Also in terms of uh, level of development of, of innovations and in terms of uh, of. Uh, of uh, experiences and uh, and value investments as well. Central Eastern Europe is the is the emerging part, of course, of 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 the uh, of the European market. But it has its advantages as well, because I mean, as I said, valuations are, are more rational. It's easier to uh, to to negotiate with funders, and still, we don't see a big difference uh, in terms of of uh, of, uh, of innovations and technology knowledge. We see differences in terms of business experience and business knowledge and business network, but uh, quality of innovation is almost almost, uh, uh, equal uh, uh, to many other regions because, I mean, everybody is learning that area uh, regardless of uh, uh, which uh, 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 sub-region they are coming from. Western Europe, Benelux countries, uh, business experience, business network, connection, and uh, the tradition of cooperation is much higher, which is a value, of course. But, uh, of course, the, the competition between investors is also much, uh, much more developed. So, why uh, in Central Eastern Europe, we have two or three other similar competitors, that, but not much more. There are public funds, but very few market players. Of course, in Western Europe, it's, it's very different. And as to Nordic countries, where, as I said, we are also pretty active, Besides the fact that the level of innovation and business experience is very developed, the whole market environment is much more matured. So doing a kind of green tech type of startup in, uh, in Norway or in Finland is different because the whole environment is very supportive. So the, the whole society is very open to all type of, of green type of innovations. So that mm-hmm. perhaps the Nordic countries are the more, most matured mm-hmm. market or the region from that aspect.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Peter, we also found out that uh, you're talking about your very colorful personality. You also have another side that we haven't talked about yet. You were previously part of a band named Blue Spot. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that, about the career? Or what should we we know about you as a musician? It's not a
2: career, it's a hobby, of course. But I I mean, in primary school, I was in a music school, actually. So I learned uh, classical piano as as a child. Mm And uh, although uh, later on I uh, I turned rather to mathematics and uh, and numbers and later on financials, uh, that type of interest remained with me. But uh, I later selected a, a more time efficient uh, uh, instrument, which is the blues harmonica. It's very easy to bring with me everywhere, and it's very easy to just just join a band and play in a, in a blues uh, uh, blues song uh, anytime so later during the university and also when i already became a manager in the uh, in the business world i still kept that type of hobby because i think not doing only one thing but somehow uh, sharing your focus and uh, and keeping the the opportunity to to get at totally different inputs and uh, and uh, and uh, and still keeping the option of of spending your time on totally different things really helps a lot on, on the on working with stressful environment, on, uh, on performing in a, uh, under high pressure. So this is why I kept that hobby. And yes, I played in a blues band mm. for a longer period of time. And then what I do now is that when I'm by, uh, invited by a band, then I, uh, then I join them and play uh, one or two songs.
0: And uh, the harmonica uh, some is-,
2: is coming, so it can happen that in some festivals I, I can appear and play <laughs> some songs with the blues harmonica.
0: And the harmonica is quite uh, small, so it also fits in your pocket. Do you have maybe sometimes exactly. when you entertain yeah this, is I
2: said it. yeah, this is why I said it's very handy and very, very time-efficient.
0: <laughs> and one question last about the name, because I am just can't figure out this one. Blue spot. How, how did you come up with this name or what does it mean? The it wasn't me,
2: actually. This was the band, so uh, that, uh, wow. I just accepted <laughs> uh, uh, that, uh, that that's, that's a kind of good name that is uh, it's not that difficult to memorize. But you can imagine even either with the band or with a startup, there are some important strategic decisions that are very easy to make, but then... How you call the, the startup or the band, you can spend weeks on on, on discussing. Uh, yeah. uh, and this was the same. And then finally, I just accepted what the others. Uh, yeah, I
0: actually can confirm this. My my father also has like a hobby uh, band and they spent like three weeks just discussing names. And they had two concerts without any names. And in the third one, they just went with the most random one. So <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I yeah this is how it happens.
0: Okay, so thank you very much. It was the first part of the interview. So in the next couple minutes, we would like to give you some fire round questions, and we would. Okay. The task is here to just give some one sentence answers to get some more uh, information from you. So early bird or night owl? Uh,
2: early bird. Drink of choice. I mean, I I drink water mostly. Okay. <laughs> but if, if it's a social event, uh, uh, then. Perhaps a white wine or gin, gin, and
0: tonic. Good one. Um, favorite news source.
2: Uh, favorite news source is uh, um, mostly selected number of uh, of, uh, of online media. I don't really, uh, uh, or oh, it's very rare that I uh, I read uh, paper uh, based uh, newspapers. And it's um, I don't know whether we should uh, give specific names or. Or, uh, or we should just leave it open, it's uh, partly uh, Central Eastern European, partly English-based uh, uh, daily and weekly news.
1: And what would you say are you know, maybe two or three characteristics you value in your team?
2: Uh, Sympathy and, uh, and capacity of cooperation. I value, I value that the most. Then uh, the second one, uh, perhaps, is uh, the, uh, the personal ambition because uh, being a useful team member requires personal personal uh, ambition as well and uh, i i couldn't name one but one specific uh, area of experience and knowledge i don't think everybody needs to be uh, expert of everything it's enough to be expert of one thing and be able to cooperate with everybody else
0: in a few words what is the toughest part of a vc fund
2: the Toughest part is to recognize if an investment was unsuccessful. I think that's the toughest part to uh, to acknowledge that something went wrong and we need to write it off. That that's always the toughest part because there is always a, a kind of, uh, of of challenge that we try again, that we still make a new bet, etc. But I mean, it's 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 always uh, important to be able to learn. But there's something went wrong and there is a failure and the more quickly we can do that the less we suffer but still it's it's pretty 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 tough to to, to give up a dream
1: okay and then on the flip side uh in a few words too what would you say is the most rewarding part of running a vC pe fund
2: uh, everybody would say i guess to do nice exits but i think uh, i'm not a uh, i mean I, i'm i'm not for focusing on specific exits i think we run vc funds to to give returns on the, uh, to the investors and to make startups possible to to realize their dreams so i wouldn't say uh, i am happy with one exit i'm happy when when a, a full fund performed well which means that we we have i don't know 30 40 50 founders and we we could pay nice returns to our investors. Closing a fund with large number of successful investments is perhaps the, the most rewarding part.
1: Nice.
0: And lastly, uh, online calls or in-person meetings?
2: Uh, although I said that uh, we had even an IPO with online calls, uh, I think uh, if a meeting is not about changing information, but to convince each other about something or to present something to each other that we didn't know before, I still believe in personal meetings. So I, I travel quite a lot these days. I, I mean, I change countries almost uh, every second, third day, just just in order to be able to meet personally those who I want to work together with.
0: And um, what do you think? Overrated or underrated? The following things. Crypto.
2: Overrated.
0: Diversification.
2: Underrated. ChatGPT. I can't, I can't decide, perhaps a bit overrated now, but uh, still, the uh, there's still a lot of opportunities.
0: Uh, avocados?
2: It's not my area of expertise, perhaps underrated.
0: ESG score?
2: It's still underrated.
0: Elon Musk?
2: <laughs> Should I give a valuation on a specific person? <laughs> I would perhaps avoid that. if
1: Yeah. If sure. not a problem. Yeah, no worries. All right, Peter, well, thank you very much for your time today. We really uh, and sincerely appreciate it. I think uh, you've shared some very interesting insights, both on a you know a personal level, but also, you know, uh, from a professional level too. So yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, I think thank it's-
2: you for the invitation.
1: Yeah, no problem. Have a great day, Salon.
0: Thank you. You too.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. Ciao.
0: This podcast is created for entertainment purposes and does not serve as legal or financial advice. The guests of the podcast can be clients and partners of C-Funds, and the content of these recordings do not constitute marketing or pre-marketing activities as defined by EU law.